Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. My name's Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and it's my privilege and joy to be able to bring a series to a close today called You Asked For It. And uh, this series came about because on Easter, we handed out a survey, and on that survey were two questions. The first question is, what are, what are you struggling with the most right now? And the second question was, if you could ask God one thing, what would it be? And so we compiled all of those surveys together, and we found out that there are two very key questions that we wanted to address. And the first one is regarding to the first question, what are you struggling with right now? Uh, many of you said you're struggling with knowing your purpose, why you're here. Why are you on this earth? And so we addressed that the very first week. Pastor Chris preached a message on, uh, on purpose and, and the, really to answer the question, why am I here? And so if you missed that, you can hop on our website, newlifexn.org, and you can watch that message. And I would encourage you to do that. And then the second week, we did something kind of unique in that we brought together a, a group of our pastors. And, and we had kind of an Ask the Pastor panel where we, uh, we just asked questions, your questions, actually, about purpose. And it was a really, really cool experience and a lot of fun. And uh, so we thought we'd do the same thing today regarding the topic uh, that we preached last week, that Pastor Chris preached last week, regarding the second question which was, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And many of you just simply put, why, question mark, uh, or why me? And so there was a, a lot of responses just coming down really to worthiness. Why, why does God love me? Or why would God love me? Or can even God love me? And so Pastor Chris shared an incredible message last week about that. And today we're just going to follow up with that with some questions that many of you had and, uh, and many of you might have today, and we want you to actually be able to participate with us live today. So I'm going to let you know how you can do that right now. First of all, if you're on Twitter, you can use uh, hashtag HeyPastor, all one word, and ask your question. And we'll be checking Twitter over and over to see if uh, questions come in there. So if you want to use Twitter to ask your question, we would encourage you to do that. But we, we came up with a new way. Actually, this is a really cool way because everybody has a cell phone. Go ahead. Take out your cell phone. And if you're a, a student or a child and your mom doesn't let you do that, then don't do that. Um, obey your parents. Okay. Uh, but if you have a cell phone and you want to text your question, you can do that today by texting the first word, hey, pastor, all one word, and then your question. To this number, 82257. 82257. Text, hey, pastor, and then your question to 82257. And uh, we'll do our very, very best to answer as many as we can. But uh, we, we've been kind of flooded with messages and questions. And so we're going to do the very best we can. But uh, we also have to have time for answers. So, and by, by the you know, you guys want to go home and have some lunch anyway, too, right? So, um, so that's a good thing. So we're going to get started today. Ladies and gentlemen, the pastor panel for today. We really need to add some music to that because it's not as dramatic as I'd like it to be. Okay, But uh, let me introduce the panel to you. This is our lead pastor, Pastor Chris. Many of you just saw him up here. <laughs> okay, we're going to have... And now, Pastor Jane. And Pastor Alex. And Pastor Brad. Yeah, th that was short-lived. Thanks, guys. Okay. Anyway... So we're going to dive right in here today with a question for Pastor Jane and Chris. I'd like you to follow up with this question if you would. And here's the question. When it comes to worthiness, why did Jesus have to die? And how exactly did Jesus' death save us from our sins? 
And then the second part of that is, did Jesus' death make us worthy of God's love? What do you have to say to that, Pastor Jane? Well, first of all, I'm going to answer the second question first because the answer is no. None of us are ever worthy, and we will never be worthy. Without Jesus, um, there is no hope for our future. So the second question is, we'll never be worthy on our own. Let's define the word worthy for a moment. In in, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is speaking to all of us, really, when he says, live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed upon you. The Greek root for that word worthy is a unit of measure. And uh, I guess the majority of you, from what I'm hearing, will have no idea what I'm talking about. But back when I was a child, we went to a place called Wayne's Meat Market. And Wayne had this old scale. It looked like a T, and it had chains. And my mother would say, I want a pound of ground beef. And Wayne would take this weight, and he would put it on this side of the scale, which made this side rise. And then he would throw the ground beef in that other tray until the scale was level. And once it was level, he knew that my mother had a pound of ground beef. So that is the type of measurement that the Greek word worthy meant, uh, or means, I think, biblically. Jesus is perfection. It is his blood on the cross that took away our sins. God cannot see sin. God doesn't look at sin. He is a righteous and judge God, a, a righteous God, and he looks at Jesus when he's looking at us. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we take on the righteousness of Christ. God then, we can be in his presence. It is through Jesus that we are able to come to God. It is the relationship we have with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. Without Jesus, we would have no eternal future. But we are not worthy. Only Jesus is worthy. Chris, you want to jump in here? I would like to use that image of the scale. And I've been playing with Jane the last couple of services. I've said that I never saw a scale like that. But actually, I uh, worked in a lumber yard where I measured out nails with a scale exactly like that. Um, they had the little weights, and we would put them on a pound, two, five, whatever. And then there was a little basket on this side, and it would balance out. But what I, what I really like about that image, number one is the, the Muslim faith uses that image of scales to say how we get to go to heaven. It's by um, doing one more good deed than bad deed that would make the scale way down more on the good side. And so we get to go to paradise if we have one more good deed than bad deed. But as Jane said, Jesus is like that weight that you put on when there's nothing else on the scale. And, he, and so here we are. We, we can't ever balance out. Our good deeds will never balance it out. But I like the image because here's Jesus, boom. And so we, what happens to us, we were down here, and all of a sudden we're up here. We're close to God. In fact, we can be in front of God. So I'd like you to remember that image uh, of the scale. Jesus tips the scale in our favor. Nothing we do is going to ever bring the t- scale into balance. Our good deeds are a response to God's love for us. But Jesus is the one, his death makes us worthy. And that idea of worthiness, you know, being weighty, well, Jesus is weighty. And he brings us closer to God. And that image is a wonderful picture of why we are worthy. So I hope you'll remember that, even though there's no scales like that anymore. 
Somewhere there is. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, here's a question for you someone asked. When it comes to questions of worth like why me, an immediate related question that comes up is simply, you know, am I doing enough to please you? You know, God, how do I, how do I please you? Am I doing enough? What do you have to say about that? I think it's a fair question. I think it's a question that we might ask of, of our parents or our, our spouses or our bosses or, in my case, the students that I serve. Am I doing enough to please you or am I good enough? Have I earned your love? And, and when we ask it of God, it's kind of a daunting thing because how amazing and, and wonderful and perfect God is. But for us as humans, unfortunately, the answer is no. There's nothing that we can do. There's no... No number of things that we can check off on a, a good works list that will earn us salvation, will earn us God's favor. But on the flip side of that, because Jesus came to this earth and he was perfect, and God looked down on him when he was being baptized and said, this is my son who I am well pleased in, Jesus then dies and raises from the dead. If we accept Jesus as our personal savior, our sins are cleansed, and Jesus is well pleased with us as well, because Jesus now is in us. So it's not anything that we have done, but it's everything about what Jesus has done for us. So if we believe and accept that salvation and that freedom that comes along with them, then yes, Jesus is well pleased with us. But on our own, no. Thanks, man. So, Chris, when it comes to worth, a lot of us uh, struggle with worth because we don't know our true identity. And in our culture today, people are looking all over the place to find their identity. And they're looking in different things, and particularly, you know, the, the um, uh, sex reassignment surgeries. And, and actually, I just learned that they're calling that sex confirmation surgeries now. So they're playing with the words a little bit there. You know, this, this related to that, this question came in uh, via a text message, and it says this. What is your take on how more and more people are claiming to be transgender? And, and how does that play into our identity and our worth uh, in God's eyes? Would you jump in on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll be glad to jump in on that, Brad. Uh, That's good. Uh, well, first off, the response I would give to that question is um, we have been made to believe many things in our culture that are disproportionate to the reality. Number one is we would, I think we would think that every third person is now transgender in our culture, but it's actually 0.03% of the population. Um, that being said, every person is valuable to God, and God loves every person that he created. Um, the, the thing that I would say in, in this particular area is um, God created male and female. That's the only two um, genders that there are, male and female, even though Facebook says there's like 38. Um, uh, and our culture is constantly redefining truth, but you can't redefine truth. You know, our culture says there is no absolute truth, and that statement is an absolute truth claim. There is absolute truth. In fact, every truth is an absolute truth that can be determined to be true or false. Um, the, the, the law of gravity, for example, always works. It's an absolute truth. If, if Alex goes over there and takes a step out, he's not going to be like Wally Coyote and stay, you know, for a few seconds, stay up, uh, you know, parallel to the floor. He will fall to the floor every time, 100 times out of 100. So truth is always true, whether we believe it or not, however we define it. But if God created me as a male, for example, which he did, then for me, um, the best life that I can possibly experience is to live the life he created me to live. And if somebody is feeling like they're, if 
I'm a male, but I feel like I'm a woman uh, in, in my mind or whatever. And, and now, I mean, there are children as young as four and five in the school systems of America that are saying, you know, I'm, I'm not a boy, I'm actually a girl, or I'm not a girl, I'm actually a boy. And that's being affirmed. Well, you know, I mean, when I was a little kid, not very often, but when I was a little kid, I might dress up with a dress, you know, um, not very often. Mostly it was an apron. Do you have any pictures? It was pictures? an apron. It do you was have any apron. pictures of that? I do not have pictures. Ah. When I baked cookies with my mother, I wore an apron, okay? That's a dress. It's a dress, I know. <laughs> All right. It, especially the way my mother this made it. Awesome. It looked like a dress. Do you have anything else? Uh, what else do you have? We're Let's not going to go there. Okay. So, so that day, I was not a girl. I was not identifying as a girl. I was a guy who wears wearing a piece of feminine clothing. All right. Um, and I understand that there are men in our culture who wear women's clothing and clothing and, and feel that they're women. Um, that being said, the truth of who we are was determined by our creator. He, he doesn't make mistakes. Um, and, and so just because I feel a certain way and my feelings go like this in, in any given day. So I might feel like this today and that tomorrow and this the next day and that the next day. And if we go by our feelings, then we can constantly be vacillating and changing. Um, but when we will let God make that determination, which he did in our mother's wombs, by the way, um, you know, when we have that determination and we live the life that he created us to live, we will be most fulfilled. Our culture has told us a very big lie. That if we act on our feelings, we will feel most fulfilled. It's not true. I, I, I work with folks every week who acted on their feelings. And when I say to them, would you agree with me that the reason you are here in a recovery program for alcohol and drug addiction is because you put your feelings first? Every single one of them says yes. Um, and, and, so, and again, I'm not saying that in any kind of a condemning way. When I put my feelings first, bad things usually happen. Um, the reality if I put reality first, and especially if that reality is God's truth, then I will always, at the end of the day, be better off than if I just act on Chris Marshall's feelings. Um, and, and so uh, it's a very, very, very big deal, obviously, in our culture. And as Christians, we're going to find ourselves more and more and more dealing with these things. We, we must deal with them speaking the truth in love because truth without love is never going to get us anywhere. And, and just saying, well, you know, however you feel, that would be the loving thing. Without truth is, is going to continue to make the mess we've created just get worse and worse. Alex, do you want to jump in on this a little bit? Sure. I think it, I mean, from reading about it as well and from talking to students, because it is a weird thing right now in our culture is when I was growing up, um, which wasn't super long ago, but when I was growing up, this wasn't a thing that I ever thought of, but now it seems to be so normal in the minds of the youth that I work with. And I think it stems from this idea of waking up and not feeling good about who you are, waking up and feeling like you are junk. And, and the, the truth is that God has made each of us unique and, and wonderful and, and fearfully made and for a purpose. And, and so we need to look to God to find out what that is and to, to find our identity in him and not in ourselves. Because there's, there's nothing that we can do that can make us, like we've talked about, uh, not be sinners besides going to Jesus. So if we wake up feeling it like we're not good enough on our own, it's not a surgery that's going to fix it. It's Jesus' love and forgiveness that's going to fix it. Thanks, Alex. So, uh, Alex, we're going to stay with you. 
this is a, when it comes to worth, we put our trust a lot of times in other people, you know, and, and we try to find our worth, our identity from them. And so this question kind of comes up because people hurt us, you know, I mean, we hurt people and people hurt us. And, and here's a question that came in from Twitter. Does forgiving someone mean you trust them again? And is the hurt supposed to go away? Hmm. And uh, Pastor Jane, I have you jump in on this too. Well, I think the first part is good, and we, we, we should forgive people. Jesus is clear on that. We are forgiven. Uh, as, there's no sin that we can do. There's no amount of times that we can sin that God is not going to forgive us, rather. And so we are, we are definitely supposed to forgive those in our lives. But I don't think that means necessarily we have to trust them right away. I think we can be cautious. You can forgive and you can love, but still protect yourself and, and make sure that, that you are prepared in case that would happen again. I think there's, there's no wrong about that. And, and the last part of it is, um, what was it, that is a hurt supposed to go away? I think that's hard. Uh, I think that, that we can definitely find our, our healing and, and relief in Jesus. But sometimes that hurt remains because we want it to remain, that we hold on to it, whether it's hate or anger. And, and Pastor Chris has said a lot of times that hate uh, in that form is kind of like poison. It's hurting us and not the other, other person. And I know that when we forgive people, sometimes we still say, oh, I want them to make amends even more. I want them to come and, and make themselves worthy in my eyes again, which it might never happen. And, and so for us, we, we need to let that go. We got to give that to God. And, and we have to truly forgive and not just with words, but, but with our heart as well. Thanks, Alex. Pastor Jane? I do believe that God gave us forgiveness for us. Uh, we're to forgive because he forgives us. But you know, when you're holding on to unforgiveness, it can eat you alive. It can build, you get anger, you get uh, fear. Um, you just have all these feelings inside of you that that God calls us to forgive so that we can move on. We don't forgive to clean the slate of the other guy. We forgive because God asks us to forgive, and in obedience to him, we receive healing, a healing that we won't experience if we don't forgive someone else. There are times when um, you may not even let the person that you're forgiving know that they may not even realize they've offended you. So sometimes there, there may be times when you don't even have to go back to that person and say, look, you know, um, you really offended me and I want you to know I forgive you. Uh, Chris may not know he even offended me. And now we, I've brought up an issue that didn't even exist before. So I think it's, it's very much a part of spiritual growth. We forgive because God forgave us. And then we grow spiritually when in obedience to God we forgive others. Thank you. Pastor Jane, another one that kind of along these same lines, dealing with our relationships with each other, uh, somebody wrote in uh, on, uh, um, texted this to us and asked us this, in the face of overwhelming hate and racism, what's the best response? I think that, again, I, I always, just because of my personality and who I am, I try to look at things through God's eyes as best I can. And I don't think God sees color. Uh, as a female pastor, I went through a lot uh, when I was earning my way to speak behind the pulpit. Um, there were people who didn't believe that women should be in ministry, that indeed God would never call a woman to be a pastor. And I only knew what I had experienced. I didn't stand in line and say, Lord, choose me, choose me, I want to preach. In fact, I got called to preach 
I got the calling from God directly. It was very real much later in life. It wasn't my primary career. That being said, um, I digressed and forgot the question. <laughs> That's okay. In the face of overwhelming hate, racism, et cetera, what's the best response? Thank you. Yep. They've convinced me up here that I'm the oldest one on the panel, and now I'm starting to prove it. Okay. <laughs> All right. God sees us as he created us. We need to treat other people the way Jesus wants us to treat them. We need to be loving and kind. Color exists. Many differences exist. But we are going to treat other people the way God wants us to treat them. And we are going to love as God loves. I like the saying at the foot of the cross, it's equal ground. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that's good. Is that good? Okay. All right. Chris, a uh, question, couple questions came in about Satan and the enemy and how he speaks into our life and causes conflict into our life. And particularly, he lies to us constantly. In fact, the Bible tells us that's his native language. He's a liar. And he's constantly saying things like, you're not worthy, you're an idiot, you're stupid. Why do you believe in God? God doesn't love you, can't love you. So, so with all of that in mind, this question came in via text. And it says this, why did God create Lucifer or Satan? knowing he would cause conflict like that? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, my, my short answer to that is I don't know why God created Lucifer. I, he obviously knew that he would create conflict. Um, God knows everything. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't have an answer to that question. Um, it, it's something that I do wonder about. One of the things I would say that I do know an answer to is, you know, when that the devil lies to us, um, it gives us the opportunity to put our trust in God. So God uses all things for, for good. We know that. Um, but I don't know why in the first place God created all the angels, knowing that a third of them would rebel against him and, um, and give them that opportunity, other than the fact that God apparently gave um, the devil, or the, yeah, the devil, Lucifer, the angels, it's free will just as he gave it to us because he wanted free love to uh, exist and not robotics, you know. Um, when we respond to God, it's out of our ability to choose yes or no. And, and apparently he gave the angels that same opportunity. Um, why? I, I just think because God is love, he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want less than love in return. And if you give no possibility for choosing evil or rejection. There can ultimately be no love. So I guess that would be my answer. But Thanks, Chris. I don't know. Alex, th there you go. Does that make you feel worthy? That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I felt worthy when I got out of bed this morning because of Jesus. There you go. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay, so uh, Alex, this question came in uh, via text. It says, what if I know I'm worthy, but I just don't feel worthy? 
This is a, such a good question because it's something that I know that I've, I've struggled with uh, a few years ago when, when self-doubt and, and, and worry and anxiety were just too much. I started going to counseling, and, and this was a question that I had. I mean, I knew the Bible, and I knew the scriptures that God has given us, and, and I knew that he, he had said that I was his masterpiece and, and that I was created in his image and that Jesus has died for me, but it was not something that, that I felt. And, and there's not a really easy one-word answer. If there was, I, I guess I wouldn't have maybe need, needed any help. So I, I went because I, I wanted to, someone to talk to me about my life from someone else's perspective to let me know where I was believing the lies that, that Satan was, was giving me, the lies that, that come from saying that, that you are not good. And what I realized was that because my creator created me, I'm just good for that. I mean, I thought I was no good at all, but, but God says that he has made us and, and we are good. And so in him, we have become good. One of the exercises that the counselor gave me was to write down a list of all the good things I, uh, that about me and all the bad things about me, all the things that God has created that are good and all the struggles I have. And I, I swear, I thought that for sure I was going to go home and it was going to be like three things maybe and like 750 things on the other side that were bad. And so I went to my girlfriend, who is now my wife, because she's nicer than I am, and, and I knew she would be honest about these things, and I still was a little scared, like, oh my gosh, she's going to just tell me all the things, like, uh, you're late all the time, and, and take me to nicer places and stuff, but um, <laughs> why is it Wendy's again? And, um, and, and what, what I found out when we started writing is that, that there ended up being, and I remember this distinctly, that there was 51 things on one side and 14 things on another side. And so I went back to the counselor and I said, like, I, I was amazed. And he said, that's because God has made you that way and that you need to start living in that and being excited and celebrating and the good things about you. And also know that there is 14 things, but that's not the end of the world. God says that in Philippians 1, 6, that Jesus has started a work in us and he will complete it on the day uh, that when he comes back. So that means that we are a work in progress that we're going to continue uh, becoming like Jesus if we choose to, and we're going to continue feeling that worth if we live in Jesus. But it all comes back to believing the truth that is in God's word and the truth that we are loved and to, to make someone repeat it to you over and over and to make people that know it and believe in it tell you that over and over because that's, that's what I needed to, to feel that I am worthy, although I am screwed up and messed up, but Jesus still loves me. So, Thanks, man. So, Chris, last week you shared a message, uh, and you said that we're worthy because God loves us. And along those lines, uh, a question came in that says, you know, why does God love us? And, and someone wrote in and asked this, why is he so good to us even when we don't deserve it? Hmm. We never deserve it. And I, I think when I became a parent, I understood a little bit better why God loves us. Our children, uh, as soon as they were born, we loved them. And actually, when they were born, they couldn't do anything. Couldn't talk, couldn't do, you know, couldn't relate, couldn't interact. And then as they got older, they did some things we didn't want them to do. I mean, I used to wonder really a lot why my mother loved me. Because um, <laughs> I did really a lot of bad stuff when I was growing up. My kids were angels compared to me. Um, but, but what I came to realize is because um, our daughters were our, are our daughters, we love them, regardless of what they do. And God loves us because we're his children. That last song we sang right before we came up here, you know, no longer a child of fear, I am a child of God. And, and when we recognize that, God loves us because, because we're his children. Um, when, we, when I woke up this morning, 
he loved me. Before I got up, but before I woke up, before you woke up, he loved us. Nothing we do is going to make him love us more. Nothing we do is going to make him love us less because we're his children. And, and so when we screw up, I mean, God knows we're going to do that. I, I mean, I knew that when we had children that eventually they would do some bad stuff. Um, that didn't keep us from having children. And I guess, you know, some people would say, well, why did God even create people? Talk about creating Lucifer. Why did he create us when he knew what we were going to do? I mean, the pain that it must have to be God of 7 billion people, all of whom reject him at least some of the time. How must that feel? Um, and yet he, he loves us. And in fact, I heard this thing, why me? I'm going to give you a little Mandarin word for you, okay? Chinese, Mandarin. Why me? Whoa, whiny. Why me? Whoa, whiny. It means I love you. Whoa, whiny. Why me? Because I love you. That's what God says. I, I don't know. He probably says that to the Chinese people. Whoa, whiny. I love you. Why us? Because he loves us. I think it's a cool answer. Thanks, Chris. Alex, a uh, question came in via text message. It said this. How can we avoid the trap of consciously sinning because we know we'll always be forgiven? Hmm. Let, me put, let me frame that like this. Knowing that we're worthy of God's love. Some, sometimes we struggle because we don't think we're worthy. And then we sometimes can struggle because we know we're worthy. And we know God's going to forgive us and there's going to be grace there. So, so in that kind of realm, how do we avoid this trap of consciously sinning? It's funny because that's not a new question. Um, Paul in the Bible actually has to face that question. And, and his response was, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So that God, because God continues to forgive us no matter how many. And he says, by no means. Because we have been forgiven and Jesus has died for us. So why would we live in our death any longer? Why would we uh, embrace the death? So I, I think our, our appropriate response to Jesus' love is to show him love back by following him and by, by listening to him and by trying to live a life that is like his son. And that's not always easy, but, but it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to try to just say, oh, I have the salvation card so I can live the rest of my life and just get into the heaven free because that's not a good response to Jesus' unfailing love for us. Yep. Yeah, sure. Um, when we sin, we do it because it's fun. I always say sin is fun until it isn't. Sin is fun in the short term. It always is, or we wouldn't do it. If sin felt like a root canal, we wouldn't do it. Um, uh, but, but it feels good when we do it. And so why would we want to continue sinning? Well, we, not only it feels good, but we know God will forgive us. But what we don't know until we let the Holy Spirit lead primarily in our lives is that not sinning feels even better over time. Over time, not sinning feels better than sinning. Over time, doing the right thing is a much better life than doing the wrong thing. So there's a practical matter as well as what Alex's answer is absolutely right. And I would just simply add, there's a practical matter. When we let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives and we let the, the dead part of our life be dead, and we live into the good, goodness of God, it's a much better life than a life of sin. But our culture will lead us to say that sin is better and more fun. Um, and we, until we actually experience the joy of living in obedience, we think that disobedience is more fun. In the short term it is, in the long term it never is. Thanks, Chris. Okay, we're going to ask some rapid-fire questions right now, guys. minute and a half to answer these questions. And, uh, Alex, we're going to start with you. Here's the question. With everyone in the world, why choose me? I'm not worthy of his blessings. Well, I mean, we definitely hit some of that already. Like, why choose us? We are not worthy. But God chooses us because of who he is, not because of who we are. He chooses us because of his unfailing love, not because we've done anything to deserve it. Thanks, man. Pastor 20 Jane? seconds, done. All right. 
I appreciate that. Okay. Did you hear that, Pastor Jane? All right, so here we go. <laughs> I can do that because she's my mom, all right? So, so uh, Pastor Jane, why do bad things happen to people who constantly honor you? First, let me remind you of one of the uh, commandments, which is to honor your parents. That life somebody, may be long for you. Somebody texted in last night. Now, why so, do bad things happen? So it's, it's, all, it's all good, Mom. There's enough grace there. We just talked about that. So, Why do bad things happen? Bad things happen to everybody, uh, not just followers of Jesus. And we know that all, everyone has bad things happen. When we are followers of Jesus and we uh, are praying for one another and lifting one another up, it's often easy to think, why is this happening? They're such good people. Um, we don't live in the world God created for us to live in. When God created us, the plan he had for us was to live a life that was beautiful. But man fell, and so things changed, and the world we live in is not the world God created for us to live in. And so a lot of the stuff we go through is a result of the world we live in, the choices we make. I guess the thing that I would focus on, because this is just the way I am, is not so much what I'm going through, but who's getting me through what I'm going through, and that I'm going to be in victory on the other side. And I just pray that God uses everything in my life for his glory, and I know that he's promised me victory in him. Chris, uh, here, here's a question that came in. How can you love a sinner like me? I believe it goes back to that thing we said before about God is the perfect, ultimate perfect parent. He loves his children, not because of what we do, but because we're his. And uh, I, I believe the, the longer I live, the more I understand how little there is in me that's worthy of God's love. And, and whoever asked that question probably is coming from a position of feeling like, you know, that you're not worthy, that, you're, you're, that God shouldn't love you for whatever reason. And, and I would like to get at the heart of that. It, all of us feel that way at some point. And if we don't feel that way, you know, it's because of pride, which is perhaps the greatest sin of all. Um, and so when we feel that way, it's the devil's lie. Um, I mean, it, there's the truth that we aren't worthy. But, but the lie is that God couldn't love us because of that. The truth is God will always love us, period. And so if you're feeling that way this morning, that you're not worthy of God's love, you're not, but he loves you because he's God. Um, and if you ever feel sometime in the future you did something so bad that God couldn't love you, that's the devil's lie, not, not the truth. Because God, Jesus died for all of our sin, not just for the, you know, the, the little ones, but for, for the heinous sins that have been committed. So I... I want to get to the heart of the questioner, you know, if you feel you're sitting here today and you're feeling not worthy and how could God love you because God is love and because he created you, he will always love you. Um, please know that regardless of whatever you're going through right now. Thanks, Chris. And we have one final question, Pastor Jane. This one's going to be for you. And here it is. How do I keep my faith even when everything around me is crumbling? Mm. Okay. Well, that's not always easy, but I think there's two very important things. 
One is to be in God's word because he addresses every feeling, every hurt. Anything that you're feeling inside or going through on the outside, there is a scripture that will build you up. On the other side of that, not everyone can open their Bible and read a scripture and find comfort and peace in that scripture. So the second part of it is do not isolate. Talk to someone. You know, uh, we're here. These are interesting. These are tough questions. Uh, because they, there's a lot of depth to them. And so I think I speak for all the pastors when I say, if you're struggling with things, come to us, talk to us. We want to listen. We want to, to walk this journey with you, whatever you're facing. When everything around you seems to be crumbling, we want to help you stay focused on God. We want to help you reframe what you're living in and know that God's hand is on you. And like that little footprints thing, you know, he's going to carry you through. It's tough, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, but God will carry you through, and he will bring you over to the other side. Don't isolate. Talk to someone else. Trust in him. We're all in this together. All right. Well, let's give them a hand, guys. Thank you guys so much for your answers. and We just want to thank you guys for participating with us today, and we hope it's been helpful to you. Um, that God's spoken to you, maybe a scripture or something that they've experienced in life that they've been able to share um, what God's done there that, that will speak to your heart and help you apply it to your life. So uh, what I want to do now is just pray for us, and then Pastor Chris is going to share a couple more things. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you love us and that you care so deeply for us and that you sent Jesus to die for us and, and to make us worthy of your love. We just give you the praise and the glory for that. God, today, if there are any in here who don't feel worthy, we pray that you will just come alongside them today by your spirit and just let them sense your love and your peace and your grace deep in their soul, that they might come alive today in you for maybe the first time. And so we just thank you for that. We look so forward to what you're going to do in all of our lives um, from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.